Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. All right. Well, let's get into the Word. We're in 1 Thessalonians, still, chapter 2. I'm going to continue today with verse 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. You yourselves, the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Thessaloniki, right? In Greece, some say Thessaloniki. You yourselves are our witnesses. Someone who is a witness, they are there to see it happen. They know about it firsthand. Um, so you yourself are our witnesses. You yourselves are our witnesses. And so is God. That we were, now pay close attention to this. These are great character characteristics and um, character attributes. That we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. Now, the only way you can do that is to walk in love. I'm so delighted. <laughs> and Eric and I were talking about this recently, man. He was, he was in Leviticus. Say, man, thank God for Jesus. There's so much in there, man. And you got to sacrifice a bird and you got to do this and you got to you got to dust the house with this. and you, God had his reasons for all that. The biggest reason being he wanted to show us how difficult it was to be right with God apart from a mediator, apart from a perfect blood sacrifice. See, because in the Old Testament, I'm going somewhere with this. Hang in there with me. In the Old Testament, you had all these things you had to do to be right with God. It was his regulations, his rules, his law. And the Ten Commandments, they're good. We still teach them, right? That's the basics of, of being moral. Originally, the United States Constitution, it's based on the Ten Commandments. It is. Constitution's a great document. You say, well, the government's corrupt. Okay, fine. There is a lot of corruption now. But we do know this, that the Constitution itself is a righteous document. It was written with good intent to bring equality. You say, America's had a lot of faults. We know all that. Talking about the Constitution as a whole, it was written, man, it was, it's a godly document. It's one of the greatest documents in the world after the Bible, in my opinion. Just It's powerful. Equality and the pursuit of life, liber life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Great ideas. Other countries have imitated the Constitution and tried to emulate it and emula emulate our government. But here's the problem is you have unrighteous people in government, Right? So regardless of what the Constitution says, and we saw this during COVID, they would step on the, on the Constitution. We're going to close church. Well, that's, you're going to have to do away with the Constitution then. You're not supposed to close church. You say, we have an emergency order. Who cares? You're violating our rights. So the Constitution is a good document. Why? Because it's based on the Bible. Okay? And the Old Testament is good, but there's so much going on there. Here's the beauty of it. I said all that to say this. Man, is it good? Yes, the Ten Commandments and, and the law, it's righteous, man. Praise God. But even Paul said it cannot make you right with God. It just points out your flaws. Because you guys, we've all been there. Even as a believer, if you focus on everything you're doing wrong and just trying to do right and trying to do right, don't have a revelation that you are right with God and that He is empowering you, it's miserable and it's discouraging. I'm just looking at all the things I'm doing wrong here. I need to check off all these boxes. No, you just need to be right with God. And because you're right with God and you know it, and you, this is where I was going, and you have his love in you, then you're not going to do things intentionally to offend God. You're not going to do things intentionally to hurt other people. 
And aren't you glad that Jesus came so that we could fulfill the law with love God and love others? You could fulfill the law with, I'm going to love God. I'm not going to do anything against him to offend him or grieve his spirit intentionally. And I'm not going to do anything to people around me that's going to hurt them. I'm not going to want what they have. I'm not going to lie to them. I'm not going to steal from them. I'm not going to kill them. <laughs> not going to commit adultery with their husband or wife. Why? Because those are in the Ten Commandments. If you love God and love others, you're going to obey. You're going to obey his word. And we see that because they're walking in love, they were devout. What is devout? It means committed. I believe you're devout believers. I believe that. Devout, man, means you're serious about God. You want to seek him. You come to church. You want to be connected. You want to stay connected to God through the word and prayer, man. You are in it to win it. You are serious about God. You are devout. You are committed and stable, and you've made a decision and a commitment. When you are committed, you've made a commitment, right? I'm committed to my wife, so I have made a commitment, right? So they were devout, and they were honest. Is honesty important? Question for you tonight. Not a lot of people here on this rainy night. So what offends you about dishonesty? What, what offends you when someone lies to you? Why does it bother you? Or some of you say, no, it doesn't bother me. Okay, well, it bothers me. What bothers you about someone lying to you? Yes, ma'am. Oh, that's the word I was thinking of. You feel disrespectful. Like, why would you lie to me? Because you got, you got two types of people. Most of us have lied, and I'm not justifying it. You, you lie when you've been put in a corner, right? Or you get caught doing something, you're embarrassed, you're afraid, whatever. But some people just walk up to you and lie to you. And to me, that's, I'm not justifying it, sin is sin. But just walk up to you and lie to you. It's like, what, what are you doing? That's the lionest thing in the world. Why, why are you just lying to me? That's offensive. Why, why, why are you offended by someone lying to you? We feel disrespected. Why else? Huh. They don't trust you with the truth because they think maybe you'll think less of them. Hmm. Okay, that's a good answer. I wasn't thinking of that. That was a very good answer. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't feel like someone loves me when they lie to me. It says in Proverbs, whoever lies hides their hatred. I'm not saying everybody who lies to me hates me, but those who lie tend to hide their hatred. That's what Proverbs says. So that's, folks, we get offended when someone lies. What else offends you about someone being dishonest with you? What else? We have disrespect. You say, I feel disrespected. You feel like they don't trust me. They can't trust me with the truth. Why, why else would someone lying to you be offensive? Anybody else? You're not going to get penalized for not answering, so don't worry about it. You don't feel valued. Huh, okay. Uh huh. Like I'm not good enough for your truth? <laughs> you don't see me as on the level to be able to uh, take the truth? That ties into to being trusted? Yeah, valued? Okay, that's good. Anybody else? True, you're a true parent. You're a true father to those kids, too. To parents, parents, and y your parents told you this, right? I say, oh, oh, you think I'm stupid now, huh? Oh, so you think I'm stupid. My dad used to say that growing up. But he'd say it in different ways. He'd say, do you think I'm stupid? Or he'd say, oh, oh, okay, so you think I'm stupid. Okay, no. He's, I saw you do it. No, no, that's not what I was doing. What on earth? I saw you doing it. I've had people lie to me like that, too. I saw you doing it right there. You know, there, there's a, I remember I was a kid, and I was walking through the alley, 
Yeah, and we, we hadn't lived there long on South Selman, so this must have been 1986. Yeah, it had to be. It w- we hadn't been here long. And I walked through the alley, and I don't know why I did it. I, I wish I could say the devil made me do it, but that's a lame excuse. I walked down the alley, and I tipped over someone's trash can. I don't know why I did it. It fell over, and he had a bunch of beer bottles in there, so you could just hear it crashing. And I walked by, and then I came back, and a guy, go, a guy comes out from his house and goes, did you do this? And, of course, the first thing I did, I was in fifth grade, no, sir. And I'm just looking at him. He goes, are you going to lie about it, or are you going to pick it up? I went, I'm going to pick it up. Sorry about that. You know, he caught me off guard, just big old lie. So that was disrespectful. So we were devout and honest. Wow. So they gave them the full truth and faultless toward all of you believers. Faultless meaning basically they walked in the fruit of the Spirit with these people. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. Man, you just treat people how you want to be treated. That's walking faultless towards someone, I believe. We were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. Man, that's a good outline, right, for being a believer and walking with God and treating people right. Devout and honest and faultless. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. Well, that is a good thing, but a father also disciplines, right? A mother and a father disciplines. Earlier in the chapter, it talks about um, mothering and fathering here. So we see that you've got to walk in dis- discipline with them, but you do it in love. I remember my dad telling me as a kid, he said, man, I spank you because I love you. And I remember thinking, how does that make sense? And you get older, and I'd see people, you know, they were the cool kids. I thought they didn't get, no, my pa- I don't get spankings. I was like, Really? You must be great. No, I didn't ever think that. I knew people weren't. I knew kids were liars. I knew we were bad. But I remember, man, getting spanked, and then my parents being in my business, and and, and you see the sun starting to go down. You get over here in a certain time, and I remember my mom shouting for me, Matthew, you know, the the two syllables. It just carried down the neighborhood. The whole block I could hear, time to come home. They were in my business, and I thank God for them. And they're saying that here. You know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. That means love, protection, discipline, provision. It's all there. We pleaded with you, encouraged you. Let's hang out here for a minute. And urged you. Man, there's some great sermon points in here, right? You seeing all this stuff? We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. Hmm. Pleaded with them. Man, I don't know if that's begged. Some would translate it as begged, but man, they're just they're they're adamantly, firmly, passionately, passionately and fervently saying, Man, live right. Live right. And then encouraging them, man, helping them to do right. Say, You're doing good. You're doing good. Hang in there. That's what I do. Hang in there. The largest part of my job as a pastor is being a coach. Be patient with immaturity. And be hardcore against sin. Be patient with immaturity, man. You coach immaturity and then be ruthless with sin. We pleaded with you. We encouraged you and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. How will God consider your life worthy? Obedience to his word. We go back to the basics. Jesus said, this sums up everything, basically, Jesus said. Love God and love others. I say that over and over again because that covers everything. Love God and love others. And aren't you glad? Remember the Old Testament has 613 precepts? 613. 
You say, well, what, it's just the Ten Commandments. Yeah, that's, some, that's a summation of it, but there's a lot of stuff going on in there that you had to do. So we pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy and walk in love, walk in obedience. For he called you to what? Share in his kingdom and glory. Isn't that amazing that God has called you to be a part of his kingdom so he could share his glory with you? One day, Scripture says, we're going to shine like the stars of heaven. You're going to glow in heaven. And Scripture says that we will need, you won't need the sun anymore because God is going to light up all of heaven and all of eternity. Can you imagine a place like heaven where there is so much light that there's no shadows? That's hard to conceive. But God, God's light is coming from everywhere. And he says he wants, to, he wants us to share in his kingdom and in his glory. Wow, that is wonderful. Let's keep going. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, <laughs> this is good. I can give a good message, but it's up to you to receive it. You can hear a good message, a podcast, a, a YouTube video, or some God speaking to you through someone. It's up to you to receive it. He said, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. Hmm. You what? You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. Okay, when I'm preaching to you on a Wednesday night or Sunday, man, it's the word of God. We're going to back up everything we say in here with the word. Okay, I'm not going to just give you an opinionated message. And this word continues to work in you who believe. Scripture says God's word never returns to him void or empty hand. It always accomplishes what he sends it to accomplish. Now, you can fight it. You can say, well, I don't want that. You can reject God's word. That's fine. But his word is going to accomplish what he sends it to accomplish. I like this. It says, and this word continues to work in you who believe. Of course, man, the word's going to continue to work in you, especially if you're walking in obedience. You're seeking God. This word continues to work in you who believe. I find it fascinating that Scripture says the Lord breathed the breath of life into our ancestors, Adam and Eve. And to this day, humans have the breath of life. Isn't that amazing? He only did that once at our creation. Our great, 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 whatever they would be, right? Our ancestors, Adam and Eve, all of ours, he breathed the breath of life in, in, into them. The life of God, the Greek word for that is uh, zoe, the life, the very life of God. And to this day, thousands of years later, we're still breathing, which is a miracle in and, in and of itself. And in the same way, this word continues to work in you who believe, just like the breath of life, just like the electric charge that your body carries to keep the heartbeat. That's fascinating the way God created us. And it continues to work because his word went out. He said, let there be light man and he spoke you read in genesis and he spoke all these powerful things and he breathed the breath of life man and to have the very breath of god within you that's why you're living and then dear brothers and sisters you suffered persecution from your own countrymen what's persecution people giving you a hard time for your faith it can be as simple as laughing at you making fun of you talking bad about you or trying to kill you 
persecuting you. It covers all of that. Doing bad things to you, treating you wrong in every way, and there's a whole scale of that simply because of your faith. And get ready, that could ha- more of that could happen in our lifetime, even in this country. Say, it's a free country. Mm, is it? Did you know we're not the freest in the world? When I was in college 20-plus years ago, that was, I remember that was 2001. Okay, so yeah, 22 years ago, going on 23 years ago, when we took a freedom class at USW, and they talked about how, I think the name of the class was Free Enterprise or something, and at that point, we were the 14th freest country in the world. 14th. People go, what? I mean, it's America. Red, white, and blue, we must be the freest. Uh-uh. Not with tax obligations, rules and laws and all these burdensome things that they put on us. I don't know. There's a freedom. It's like a freedom scale. You should look it up sometime. I don't remember what the name of it was. That was a long time ago. But at some point, when people push God away and government becomes God, are you with me? That's what communism does, is don't worry about God. We'll provide everything. And that never works out well. Ask Cubans. That's why they're fleeing Cuba still. You've got a bunch of Cubans living in Hobbs because Cuba don't do it. It's not free. It's communist. You say, oh, well, we have trade agreements with them. It's still a communist country, like Vietnam or China. The people are oppressed. And countries like this, they give you a hard time for serving God or they kill you. But either way, they persecute you. Why? Because government is God. They don't want you to serve God. They want you to worship the government. They will provide everything. And guys, we already know, right? The government itself, the Constitution's great, but the government's flawed because many ungodly people are in government. Okay, There's godly people in there, too. Praise God. But it says you suffered persecution from your own countrymen, man. Wow, you serve God and then persecution comes. Get ready. Those times are coming in our lives. It's not, that's not going to get easier. I believe you're always going to have a blessed life like Pastor Fabian preaches, and your life's going to get better in every way, and, and God's going to continue to take care of you. But persecution is coming. We've seen it. It's less and less popular now to be a believer in the United States of America than ever. They think you're strange. Say, what do you mean? What do you mean I can't do? What do you mean? It's like, no, you're going to do what you want, but it's wrong. I accept you as a human. I love you, but that is wrong, and it's sin. I'm sorry. I love you, but that's it. So let me get off my soapbox. In this way, you imitated the believers in God's what? In God's churches in Judea who, because of their belief in Christ Jesus, suffered from their own people, the Jews. At this time, oh man, the Jewish people, they were the Jewish believers like yourself. They were believers like us. They were our original believers, the ones that came from Jesus and his disciples, and it was all in Israel where that began. The new covenant believers like me and you, they were being persecuted by the Jews and by the Pharisees, and they were being persecuted, and they were suffering. Look at what it goes on to say. For some of the Jews killed the prophets. Of course, you read that throughout Scripture. And some even killed the Lord Jesus. Now they have persecuted us too. They've treated us poorly. They've come against us. They've punished us because of our faith. That's what persecution is. They failed to please God. Oh, this is strong. And work against all humanity. Huh. As they try to keep us from preaching the good news of salvation to the Gentiles. So they fail to please God and they work against all of humanity. Why? Because they're trying to stop the good news. If you stop, if they would have been able to stop it in Israel, then they would have, we would have never had a spiritual heritage. We would have never been saved. But praise God for persecution because get, you know what persecution does? 
Well, it made some folks say, I'm getting out of here. I'll go preach the gospel in France. I'm out. I'll go to Mexico, you know, wherever. I'm gone. I'm leaving. I'm going to get away from here. I'm going to go to Syria, and I'm going to go to Turkey, and I'm going to go to Africa. And that is exactly how the word spread, because believers were comfortable in Israel. Man, they'd received the Spirit of God. They were excited. And Jesus said, no, you're going to be my witnesses in all the earth. And it took persecution to bring that about. People start killing you for your faith. You go, well, I'm not going to give up my faith, but I'm not letting them kill me yet. If I can escape, I'm out of here, and I'll take my faith to Europe or somewhere else. All right. So let me read the beginning of that again or the, the, the previous screen is they they failed to please God. Remember that for modern times. Remember, all scripture is relevant for now. OK. They failed to please God and they work against all humanity. If you're trying to stop the gospel, you're coming against every human being because they they should be able to hear the gospel, the good news, because that's the only way to get to heaven. Okay, as they try to keep us from preaching the good news of salvation to the Gentiles by doing this. Wow, this is strong. They continue to pile up their sins. Hmm. My grandma said I called it back pay. She said, maybe one day these people are going to get their back pay. Back pay is only good in some circumstances, right? You have folks that get fired for the wrong reason or something, and they missed all these months of work, and they get back pay. They get what's owed them, or they're waiting on a Social Security check, and there's back pay. They make it retroactive. But, man, what about with all these sins people haven't repented of and turned away from, and then they get back pay? That's the piling up of their sins. Get judged for all that. Forget that. Can you imagine getting judged for all of our sins in the past? No, thank you. No, thank you. I praise God for the blood of Jesus. John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Old Testament, you just covered it. Say every year you got to go, oh, and you did a weird sin, you got to go bring an offering now. And then you got to do it every year. And then you, it might be every month and it might be, praise God, Jesus takes away our sin. He's the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. You have a clean slate, but you, got, you as a believer, you have to confess your sin as you mess up, okay? But the anger, look at this, but the anger of God has caught up with them at last. People say God's a God of love. Well, if he is a God of love, then he's going to be a God of judgment, too, because he's going to do the right thing. I don't know what it is in people's minds where they go, well, he's a God of love. So if you love your kids, you're never going to discipline them? If you love people, there's never any consequences for wrongdoing? That, that, that's strange. I, I've never understood the logic with that. Oh, no, God's a God of love. He wouldn't send people to hell. Well, no, but people can reject him, and they choose hell on their own. God's... God, Scripture says God did not create hell for us. It was created for Satan and his angels. That's one translation. Satan, the devil, and the fallen angels. So the anger of God, it catches up with people if they don't repent and turn from their sin. And it's caught up with them at last. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. And you've got to remember, just like Jesus said, Jerusalem was torn apart. In 70 AD, the Romans came in and destroyed everything. Jesus said, you see all this? It's going to be torn apart. Not one stone will be left upon another. And they, they reaped a bunch of judgment. Some say, man, a lot of that was because they rejected Jesus and they got judged. Hey, I, all I know it was, a, it was judgment. And it happened just like Jesus said in 70 A.D. So from 70 A.D. to 1948, they were not a nation. And that's the other grace and mercy of God. 1,900 years later, about, 
their language had died virtually. They were only teaching it. They were teaching Hebrew in synagogues and in little schools, but Jews didn't speak Hebrew to each other. They still learned it. They still knew it. But somehow, and that's never happened before, a nation almost 2,000 years later, after it was completely destroyed, made a comeback. Only God could do that. That proves the existence of God, just Israel being a nation today. After he judged them, Scripture says, he said it throughout the Old Testament, I'm going to judge you for a while, but then I will receive you back, and I will have compassion on you. Dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a little while, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, (laughs) but Satan prevented us. After all, what gives us hope and joy? And what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. You are our pride and joy. Let's, Let's read that again, verse 19. We'll end with verse 20 tonight. Let's read that again. After all, what gives us hope and joy? And what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. You know, as a pastor, I feel that way about you. I get to say, Lord, look at your people. They're serving you. They are my my pride and joy. Look at them. They are yours, and I'm doing my best to take care of them and pray for them and love them. Yes, you are our pride and joy. So they're saying, look, man, raising up disciples and bearing fruit, man, that's spiritual kids. That's, That's folks' pride and joy. Just like your real children are your pride and joy. Man, to raise up disciples and see them serving God. We're we're all serving God here. We're part of the body of Christ. We come to church together. We worship together. And it gives me great delight and peace and joy to see you serving God. It does. Man, when I hear that you're doing good and you're in the word and your life is changing, it's it's amazing. And that is exciting. And I want to end with that. Are there any questions tonight? I know you're not going to ask any, but you can. There's not many people in here. Now's your chance. You can say, I asked a question on Wednesday night. It'll be your claim to fame. Okay, let's pray together. I'm a few minutes early, but that's all right. We can get you, get you home a few minutes early, out of the cold. Is there anyone in this house at the sound of my voice or on the live stream that would say, Pastor Matt, I've never accepted Jesus. I've never made him the Lord of my life. If I died, I don't know where I would go. If that's you, please raise your hand tonight. I'm going to pray with you. We'll pray for you as a family. We'll repeat a prayer together. Is there anyone in this house? You have never accepted Jesus or made him the Lord of your life. If that's you, raise your hand. All right. But let's pray that prayer anyway for those tuning in tonight on YouTube and on Facebook. Say this from your heart so we can help them pray it. For those that need to accept Jesus, say, Lord, I call upon you. Please save me. I come to you as a sinner. And I cannot save myself. See, I confess and believe that you are Lord. Say this. Say, Jesus is Lord. Say, I believe that Jesus died and rose again. Come into my heart. Into my life. Save me, Lord. I trust you and I believe. Thank you, Father. I give you the glory. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Now let me pray a blessing over you tonight. Father, for everyone that showed up tonight, 
in this house in person or on the live stream. I thank you that you have a wonderful and amazing and an excellent plan for them. You're not done. In fact, you're just getting started with us. Your word says we go from faith to faith and glory to glory, and that each day shines brighter and brighter and brighter under the perfect day until we get to heaven. Our lives shine brighter and brighter if we will let your light shine through us. Lord, these disciples of yours, these followers of Jesus, the members of this local church, this flock, they're dedicated to you. They're committed to you. And I believe that they are devout and honest and faultless toward each other, just like the apostle said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Devout and honest and faultless toward each other because they're walking in the love of God. And I declare that, Lord, that we walk in your love, we walk in the fruit of the Spirit and your character and your promises. Mm, I thank you for this amazing group of people tonight and the miracles you are working in their lives and what great plans you have for them, plans of hope and peace and to prosper them and to give them an expected end like you said in Jeremiah. Thank you, Father. We trust you tonight and we worship you and we give you all the glory because you're faithful. In Jesus' name, somebody said, amen.